ask the question, how many of you are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen. Come on. I am so excited about being a believer. Praise God, a father of Jesus Christ. God is so good, and he's worthy of all the praise, all the glory. Amen. Amen. Well, let's dive into the word of the Lord this morning, what God has for us. If you were taking notes, I want to encourage you to write the title of this message. It's entitled, Answer the Call. Answer the Call. The call. It's a continuation from last week where we talked about your life, my life belongs to God. And that's one of the reasons why we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because we want everyone, someone say everyone, we want everyone to know that my life belongs to God. You would get yourself out of a lot of trouble if you declare that. My life belongs to God. Amen. There'd be so much peace that will come upon you when you recognize and acknowledge my life belongs to God. And so we want to continue um, looking at that. So let's turn our Bibles to the book of Genesis. I love the book of Genesis, especially the first three chapters of the book of Genesis. Amen. In the seven years that I've had the honor and the privilege of pastoring the greatest church on the planet, uh, the Lord revealed that to me, and I believe that you can never go wrong by diving into Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. For the remainder of the Bible is really a revelation of that, and so it's, it's wonderful to know that. So in Genesis chapter 3, we're going to look at just verse 9 and verse 10. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9 and verse 10, and it reads from the English Standard Version that I'm going to read from the King James Version of the, of the Bible. Verse 9 of Genesis chapter 3, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. The King James Version says it this way, and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Let's let's pray. Father, we pray over the the word. Uh, We pray that you will speak through me to your people, those who are present with us, those who are online. Uh, We pray, Heavenly Father, that they will leave here encouraged, equipped, and that they have received the revelation of who you are. We honor you and we praise you. We give you all the glory. We declare that the enemy is defeated, that he's under our feet. We declare that all authority has been given unto you, Jesus, and you've given us that authority. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we will publicly demonstrate through our lives and through our lips. We will declare that we have answered the call. We honor you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The writer of the book of Genesis is no other than Moses 
And for us who are familiar, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, a great patriarch, a staple in the traditions of the Jewish nation. And so it's interesting how he's writing things before his existence. Isn't that powerful with the Holy Spirit? That as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's writing and giving an account. And he's given this to a people who have been in slavery, been in bondage for so long that he had to let them know that God had an origin, that God is God, that before there was time, there was God, and there was nothing else before God, that God always existed. Isn't that amazing? Amen. That's so awesome. And so Moses is writing here. And and the reason why I picked this text is because I believe it's important that as we unpack the life of Moses, we can, we can see the importance for us to answer the call. Let me first begin by saying we may read the life of Moses and say, I can't measure up to him. We may look at the life of Moses and see what he accomplished. I mean, leading millions of people out of slavery is a massive undertaking. And so sometimes we can get lost in that and we can say, well, man, I'm not Moses. And so we then believe that we're insignificant. In our relationship with the Lord, as if God can't use us like Moses. And so I, I love when we, I heard this preach one time. He says, people are saying, where is Elijah? We need Elijah. And where is Isaiah? And where are these prophets? And God is saying, where are my Elijahs? Where are my Isaiahs? Where are my Moses? Where are the people who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and will answer the call of God? On your life. I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. That I need to answer the call of God on my life. To answer the call of God on my life is very important. And so as I was unpacking this, I love how the Lord um, moves in our lives. And he, he shows us things that we've never seen before. And so I have read books, I have taught on the calling of God, but I've never seen it from this perspective before. Never. God is truly revealing to me what it means to say that my life belongs to him and to fully understand the call. Oftentimes when we look at the call, we again believe the call means we're called to a relationship, and I shared that last Sunday. And then we jump into our call as a vocation, a career, something we do. And in between, we have missed, I think, the meat of everything, of why he calls us to a relationship with him and why he calls us to provide resources for us. In the middle, in the middle is where I believe we have missed it. And so if you want to know the heartbeat of God, you've got to be able to be balanced. You have to be able to be balanced. You've got to realize that God has called me to a relationship with him, and that has within itself positive implications. And then also God has called me to what we deem a career or we call it a job, but what he really has done, he's given us work. Work was never cursed. Come on. Right? So we have to look at the word, and we have to look at work. And that we have to be right in the middle, balanced to understand that there is a call. There is a call that's pulling me. And the call is bringing to give me strength in who God is. And then there's also another call to recognize the value and the importance of my life in the kingdom of God. And so it begins with us answering the call of God on our lives. I shared last week and also I was able to 
to frame a little bit different, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this with you, and I want you to understand what I just meant by our relationship over here and our work over here. And prayerfully, if you get nothing else from this message or even this particular season, um, I want you to understand how important it is that you must answer the call of God on your life. You must. It's not, it, it's, it's not an option. You have to answer the call of God on your life. You have to do that. To make sense of every relationship, you have to understand what does it mean that God has a calling or that God has called me and that my life belongs to him. Here is a statement that I want you to write down or watch this again and just get this. And I shared last week. Let me share it again. It says, calling begins with a divine call to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pause right there. So to say that you're called by God, whether over here in your work or your career or your profession or whatever the world wants to label it, it's really about you actually fulfilling the mandate of Genesis, which is to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. And over here where God says, let us make man in our likeness, in our image. And so when you understand that your calling begins with a divine call, it's a supernatural call. Because you are a supernatural being. And so it begins with that. And so therefore, because it's a divine call to a relationship with Jesus Christ, here's what the enemy is going to do. He's going to distract you from hearing the voice of God. Because it's a divine call, he's going to start in the flesh. He's not going to start in the spirit. He's going to start in the flesh to try to distract us from hearing the voice of God. And if you've never heard the voice of God, I promise you that in the weeks to come, my prayer is that you're going to hear God's voice so clearly that you're going to be able to distinguish between the voice of the enemy, the voice that comes from you, and the voice of God. And so calling begins with a divine call to a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why everyone you come in contact with, you have to be praying while you're at work or wherever you are, whatever platform God has given to you, ask the Lord, Lord, does this person have a relationship with you? As much as you want to help them, as much as you want to see them thrive, as much as you want to see them prosper, we cannot ignore the very important question is, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm not saying being rude about it. I'm just talking about actually asking God to make a way in their hearts so you can say you have such great value, but you won't fully understand that unless you know that you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the greatest gift you can give to somebody. That's the greatest thing you can spend your time doing is asking people, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Given what is going on in the world, in this nation, and all the nations of the world, we must be declaring, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? If you're going to survive some of the things they're predicting to happen, you must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is not trying to scare you. This is literally trying to secure you. Come on. In the crisis that we are facing, this is not to make you run away and be afraid, what we just read in Genesis chapter 9. This is for you to stand boldly and to proclaim that if I don't have Jesus, I am nothing. And the reason why I haven't lost my mind 
mind is because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the apostle Paul told Timothy, as he's telling me, that God didn't give me a spirit of fear. I won't be intimidated, but he's given me power. Someone say power. He's given me love. Someone say love. And he's given me a sound mind, self-control. Why? That's the benefits of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Never be ashamed of your relationship with Jesus Christ. For those who are married and you celebrate an anniversary, when's the last time you celebrate when you got saved? When you threw a party for being born again? For those who celebrate a birthday like me for the whole month, when was the last time you celebrated the birth of your relationship being renewed to be with Jesus? He's so good to us that he treats us better than we deserve. And so it begins with that. This calling begins with divine relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why we see in Genesis chapter 9 that if we read the earlier verses, we read the earlier verses, we see what they did and how they went away from God. But aren't you glad that God still comes to you? I'm sorry, I got to take a praise break right there. Because when I put my foot in the pie... Come on, he's still coming. He says, come on, take it out of the pie and come with me. You've got to declare your testimony. One of the greatest things you can do for somebody is tell them how Jesus changed you, how Jesus miraculously changed you and delivered you and set you free. That's the calling. He called us from the miry clay. He called us out of the pit into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he says, now your life, it's about discerning God's voice. That's an interesting word because I read earlier the English Standard Version called it a sound. The King James calls it a voice. In the Greek, the word voice is the word pronounced phone or the word we get is phone. So it's a phone call, so to speak. Amen, somebody. And so it means a sound. It could be a, a, a sex of phone it's it's a sound or it's a voice and in this context of Genesis chapter 9 and he called but if early says they heard the sound so God's voice is like a sound but the King James said it's a voice it's communicating with the ones he created and so your life now is about discerning God's voice so take time When you have to make major decisions, I encourage you every decision, but especially major decisions, if that decision doesn't confirm your call, don't do it. Don't do it. It's a trap. And so if you don't know, spend more time hearing his voice because you must discern his voice. Because right from the beginning, we see that the enemy took upon a serpent and used the serpent to distract and deceive Adam and Eve. And so as he was talking, they shouldn't have been listening. They should have known the voice of God and says, no, God called me to a divine relationship with Jesus Christ. And so once you can discern God's voice, you now experience the positive implications of the call to freedom. Now, when I was studying this, I looked at this word freedom. And, of course, in a nation, in a country of which we, we, we believe and we honor and we fight and defend for freedom. And that's awesome. And that's great. And, by the way, make sure you vote. It's a midterm election. So make sure you do your stuff and study and know what the candidates stand for. Do the homework. Don't be lazy. You know what I mean? Don't listen to the TV ads. Do your own homework, right? And be a believer who understands the value and the importance of voting because we understand this freedom thing that we have, right? 
right? And so we want to make sure that we engage in that. There's no excuse for not participating. Cost me thousands of dollars to get this right that some of you were born with. So exercise it. And so when we look at this call to freedom, though, biblically, it's not that. It's not that. This call to freedom is this liberty that we have because of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so what men died for is not the same as what Jesus died for. Come on. It's because of what he died for that we are called to this freedom. And this freedom now that we're called to will affect other people. It's a positive implication of this call to freedom. And so now what we do is we walk worthy of the practical applications of a life called by God. And finally, as you discover God's functional vocation in your life. I say all that because this is not going to explain Moses. I say all that because we're going to see this in Moses and we need to see this in you as well. If you want to live a life of significance, someone say significance. Not just success, because success does not determine significance. Right? So if you want to live a life of significance, you own a business, you want a significant marriage, you want significance in your life, you must understand this, because what God is after is not just after success. Guess what? God's the one that makes you successful, not us. But we have to live a life of obedience to be significant in the success that God has given to us. And so we have to look at this and we have to see then that I'm doing are these things. Here's the key now. Here is the difference. If I'm walking in my calling, the evidence of it is that I give God glory. That God gets the glory. And so we, we, we need to, to look at this. And so, and so let's, let's break this down. In the time that I have remaining, let's break this down. First and foremost, write this down. If you're going to answer the call of God on your life, you have to recognize that the caller is God himself. He said, nobody else, it's God himself. He personally did this. So the caller is God himself. He's not going to use somebody else to call you and ask you, is your car warranty okay? He's not going to call you and spam. He's not going to call you and have a number that's from a different country. You can just tell by the act. He's not going to do that. God is going to personally call you himself. It's not going to be your mom. It's not going to be your dad. It's not going to be, they may influence you, but it's going to be God himself that's going to call you. You can pray for people. Yes, and we should. You can fast for people, and you should, but the caller is God himself. There is nothing you can do. Try to twist their arm. Try to threaten them. There is nothing any one of us can do. The caller is God himself. And when we recognize that, we will see then that what God is about is about identifying the one who saved us and called us. Number two, though, it's not just that the caller is God himself. Number two is that the authority of the caller. So it's not just that God calls you. He has the authority to do what he purposed, what he summons, what he commands you and I to do. Now, that's difficult living in a world of which we believe we have our own choice, which we do. But it doesn't negate, it doesn't eliminate the authority of the caller. It wouldn't be wise to go against God. You could, but it wouldn't be wise. 
In the book of Acts, they talked about when they were trying to persecute the early church. And Gamaliel had to give them a history lesson. And Gamaliel said, who was a rabbi, and he says, listen, there's this guy, and they were trying to usurp, and they were trying to overthrow Rome. And guess what? We knocked him out. They destroyed him. And they talked about another person. And he said this, but if this is of God, whew, if what we're doing as a church is of God, No government, no culture can stop what God is doing. I'm here to tell you that God has the authority and God is still moving in the nations of this world. God is still moving in America. God is still moving in our high schools. Don't let the media fool you. Don't let the devil bring fear into your life. The authority of the caller is Jesus Christ. He calls people to himself. This is no casual suggestion. He calls us. I love what R.C. Sprout, he says this, that he calls us by the power of his holy voice. Mm. It's a holy voice that he uses to call us. It is not a voice that is causing threat. It is a holy voice. It is a voice so much that they understand that, that when Elijah was doing a battle for the Lord, and if you don't know the story, it's in 1 Kings. And so Elijah is battling with this wicked Jezebel spirit. And so he calls all the prophets together, and he's fighting, and he's doing battle. And the God who answers by fire, let him be God. And the God answers by fire, and he comes down, and he has a great victory. He has great success. And all it took was one word from Jezebel. I'm going to kill you. And significance went out the window. He experienced success. He felt and he experienced the fire of God come down and consume. And the prophets were killed. And all of a sudden, just one voice from Jezebel, who wasn't in the vicinity, was somewhere else, but sent a messenger to Elijah And says, you're going to die for what you did. And he lost significance. And he took off and got into a place of great depression because he felt like I'm the only one that's fighting. And God told him, oh, no, I'm the authority. Come on. I'm the authority. Someone say he's the authority. And he says, I've got 7,000 prophets. Oh, my God. Who have not bowed or kissed Balaam. Come on. And I believe in this room that God has some people who have answered his call. Come on. And he's saying, listen, you're not alone. Come on. Tell your neighbor you're not alone. Come on. Say, you're not alone. Say, I'm with you. I'm answering the call of God on my life. How about you? I know that I've experienced success. But what I want now is significance in my life. That is so good. I want significance in my life. It's a holy voice. But if you don't know who you are, I had the privilege of coming to communion on Thursday. It was Thursday, yeah, I was at communion. I texted Abigail. I said, I'm coming. I said, I need to receive a word. Amen. I'm coming to sit at the feet and just get a word from the Lord amongst a generation that is doing great things. And I came, amen, with my KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, amen, came and sat there and just talking about identity and just the importance of identity. And I was like, wow, talk about our ability to know God's voice requires us to know who we are. And that's what I got from communion. I was like, oh, my goodness. God's reminding me again in this season of transition, in this season of where I'm taking you and where I'm taking this church, you must recognize don't lose your identity. Don't lose who you are in me. But most importantly, you got to know me. 
Let's not spend so much time on knowing us and not knowing him. Lest we get inflated. Come on. And have this thing that we're all that. No, no. The whole story is about him, not about us. We're characters in his story. He's not in our story. We're in his story. You must get that. Because the reason why some of us haven't answered the call, because we think it's about us. It's never been about us. It's been about God. That'll break some things off of you. That'll get you stop being stressed out. That'll get you have peace in your mind. That'll help you parent your child. It's about God. God wanted those children. Come on, somebody. That if they survived the womb, hallelujah, somebody, and got launched into this world, guess what? God has his hands on them for significance. It's a holy voice. It's a holy voice. So how do we respond to God's call? How do we respond to certain phone calls? I thought this was neat. The first thing we can do when we respond to God's call or, or how we, as an example, respond to somebody else that's calling us that perhaps we don't really want to hear from. Let me preface it that way. Someone whose voice, when you hear it, evokes a certain emotion. And so what do we do is that we decline the call and send a voicemail. And I often wonder, and you could teach me, tell me that, can somebody know when I decline a call goes to voicemail or when we decline a call, I should say, and send it to voicemail? Why do we do that? It could be because maybe we're doing something more important. That God, your timing is not correct right now, but at least we sent it to voicemail to hear the message later. And so perhaps God has been calling you and you keep putting it off and into voicemail because someone told you you have to be a missionary in Africa somewhere. They told you the call of God means you've got to do all these things. And so you realize now that there is a fear of answering God's call because you have to give the comfort. And so the enemy has us now afraid and we just keep hitting the voicemail. And so a situation will happen and we hit the voicemail. And this will happen when we hit it to voicemail. We decline the call and we send it to voicemail. Number two, we can put our do not disturb on. Our do not disturb. And, and what this means is that a call goes straight to voicemail. We don't hit decline. We just have do not disturb on. And so what happens is when we do this, it could be again because you're driving perhaps. And it's not a good time right now. And so we hit it and we say do not disturb or could be because again we're with something that is competing with God's voice. And so we don't want to be disturbed right now, God. Surely your grace is going to keep me, God. Surely, God, you're not going to leave me. So guess what? I'll attend to you later. Do not disturb right now. Another way we respond is, is God is in our emergency contact. That is one of our numbers that we call when we need help. That when we see this number, we can call and we can crowd to God and we can say, God, please, please help us. He's in our emergency contact. But we want to get past that. Someone say, I want to get past that. No, 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 this call is too important for me to do these things. We're talking to people this morning that really want to live a life of significance. We really want to do that. And, and, and so, again, I don't think it's a coincidence that by the time I was 18 years of age, that that's when God saved me. It was a strategic time. 
a strategic time. And so whenever you can, can, can confirm that this is when God called me, it's a strategic time for significance. Write that down. That the day you got saved, the day you answered the call is a strategic time, but it's also a significant time in your life. At least I hope so. Because the question should be asked is this, why did God call us? Have you ever asked that question? Why did God call us? To bother us? To interrupt our lives? Why did God call us? Why? That's a great question to ask. And if we're going to answer the call, we have to know why did God call us? And so now we go back to Paul writing to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, if you can, because we can see this, that, that last week we talked about that who saved us and, and called us to a holy calling. I love some people um, interpret that Greek word calling, and they say it was a holy life. They didn't just say holy vocation. God called us to a holy life. And so the question is, God, why did you call me to a holy life? Why did you call me to a holy calling? So guess what? God saved us. How many of you this morning, you're saved? Amen, somebody. I hope every hand should go up and you should not be ashamed. I am fully saved. Amen. Don't fully understand everything, but I know I'm saved. Praise God. Okay, I just want to celebrate your salvation. Can we just celebrate your salvation? Come on, praise God. He saved you. He kept you. That is amazing. That's so awesome. And he called you. Okay, I'm still trying to figure that out. And it's amazing because some people you don't see. Hey, hey, tell me how I got saved. And yes, yeah, some people may be asking how salvation works. But for the most part, people want to know, tell me my calling. For some reason, we separate it. We divorce it. We separate I'm saved from I'm called. And I'm like, what's the confusion? I think the reason why is because we know why God saved us. For some, and I, I was like that, it's, it's I don't want to go to hell. Plain and simple. Run into the burning house, Jesus, and save me. I don't want to burn up. Okay, I'm good now. You're my hero, Jesus. <laughs> like a firefighter who runs into a burning building and grabs you and brings you out. And you're like, you're my hero. I thank you. Jesus is not just a hero like that. And so for some, he's our hero. But he now adds, but I called you to a holy life. I've called you to a relationship that is set apart. It's very important that we understand this holy life, this holy living, because we're asking the question, God, I know perhaps why you saved me, but why did you call me? And I don't mind walking through with you to discern or to discover your calling. And there's a lot of books that give you the practical applications of that. But it doesn't make any sense reading a book about an application if you don't win the theological argument of why did God call us? Why did God call us? You talk to a young person. Why did God call you? The answer is this. He continues in 2 Timothy 1 verse 9. For his own purpose. Oh. And look at this word, grace. So hold on a second here. So he begins and says that you're saved by grace, not through works, lest any man should boast. And now he says he called us to a holy life with his own purpose. And now that word grace is there again. And so what he wants us to understand is that the first being saved removes the guilt It removes the guilt of what you've done. He doesn't want to take you out of the agora and you still live mentally like you're still there. 
That's what Moses was trying to get to the people of Israel. He had to, the people of Israel who came out of Egypt. He says, you came out of Egypt. He delivered you, but it's your calling that recognizes the glory that God wants for what he did to get you out. So the best way to thank God for rescuing you from the fire is to give him glory with your life. It's to realize now, you saved my life, you delivered me, you sozo me, so now I'm going to live holy, acknowledging that I just don't feel guilty. I now want to give God glory. And there's a grace that saves me from my guilt and sin, but there's also a grace that empowers me to give God glory. And so grace is not greasy. Come on. It's not so you can slide in. Grace is so you can be empowered, oh my God, to know his purpose. You need to get this, church. You need to get this. Because it's one thing to leave your encouraged, but it's another thing to leave your equipped. And so to encourage you, we just have a great band. To encourage you, we just got to make sure that we're on schedule. To encourage you, it doesn't take a lot, but to equip you, that's how you live a life of significance. Is by being equipped by the word of God. Why? Because you want for people to know, here is why he called us. For his own purpose. For his own purpose. Number two, why did he call us? Ready for this? This is so, this is so awesome. To demonstrate his power within the call. Mm-hmm. So it's for his own purpose, but it's also to demonstrate his power. His, his, his um, dunamis, his um, um, azusia, his authority, and his ability. So when God calls you, he wants to demonstrate his power within the call. So guess what? When you accomplish great things of significance, who gets the glory? God does. Because you know you don't have the intellectual ability. Come on, somebody. You don't have the economic ability that when God opens a door for you, you've got to recognize, I didn't do it. God did it. Oh, come on, come on. When I went to save a lot to get some water so you can have coffee, when I stepped to the door, I didn't do anything. I just stepped to the door, and the door automatically opens on its own, and I just stepped through, and that's what God is doing. God is opening doors for you, but you just got to step through and realize it wasn't my power. Come on, somebody. There was something that when it sensed my presence, it opens up. And God is saying that when you acknowledge my presence, I give you power. Within the car. Yes, you can parent. Come on, somebody. Because God has given the power to raise those kids. Yes, you can have a great marriage. Why? Because God has given the power to have it. Yes, you can walk healed because God has demonstrated his power within the call. You better preach, Pastor Rowe. Yes, I am. We're not weak. We're not insignificant. Come on. The devil needs to get out of your house. Needs to get out of your mind. He did not save you from the agora. For you to live with him, but have your mind back there. Ooh, that's so good. My God, hallelujah. And here's the other part too. He called us according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. He called us according to his purpose. So it wasn't just for his own purpose. It wasn't to demonstrate his power. He says, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. 
And this is on the heels of him teaching what it means that those he predestined, those he called, he also justified. It's a rich theological argument. What Paul and what Moses and what you and I have to do is this. Before we can embrace the positive implications of a life that is called by God or a life that belongs to God, you must win a theological argument. Listen, hear me, TGP, and those watching online. The enemy wants to win the theological argument. He doesn't care about the application. He wants wants to get your belief so wrapped up that it doesn't matter that you're out of Egypt. You still live as if you're in Egypt. And what he's saying is this, that all things work together for those who love God, called according to his purpose. And so I must live a life of significance. I need for you to write that down or say it out loud. My life is a life of significance. Because God has purpose in my life. So when things are going chaotic, I love God. So all things must work together for my good. Because I'm called according to his purpose. So now let me preach this. To those that are hearing the voice of God. That your phone, quote unquote, is going off right now. And when you answer... God's call, do not say hello. When you answer the call, don't say hello. When you answer his call, say, here I am. Here I am. When he's calling, someone's just saying hello. Nice to talk to you. But when God calls, your response should be, here I am, Lord. Oh, that's so good. Let it rest right there. So I grew up in a household of where um, um, when, my, when my parents or my, my, my dad or my mom would call us and I'm in my room just relaxing and they would call us, um, they wouldn't tell us what they want. You have to actually get out of your room and come to them. So you couldn't say, what? They'd just stay quiet. <laughs> and now they're really mad because they had to strain to hear what you're saying. Don't make them call you twice. Because now what they want to tell you, it's not going to happen. So you, you, you actually have to leave your room and come down here and, and yes, mom, yes, dad. And can, can you get that? I'm like, you, you know, it's just right there, right? <laughs> you answer the call because you recognize the authority of the voice. It doesn't matter what's on their mind. You recognize the authority of the voice. And so you want to come to it. And so what we have done is we become casual with the voice of God. And when he calls, we say hello. As opposed to saying, here I am. Because I know that when you purpose a thing, it doesn't return to your void. And so if you called me, you purpose significance in me. And all you're doing is getting out of me what you put in me. That's so good. So it's not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit, said the Lord of hosts. So it's it's him doing something. And so when we understand now, we get back to Moses. I, as I turn the corner and, and bring this home, when he answered the call, don't say hello, say here I am. See, Moses kept saying hello, and it wasn't working. It wasn't until he said here I am that he recognized how God saved him and called him. And so in hearing God's voice, Can you imagine 
We had over 100 voices, 120 people that can fit in here without the fire marshal coming. And if we all would say, when God calls, here I am, the miracles. Ooh. We wouldn't worry about skin color. We'd just say, here I am. Mm. We wouldn't worry about economic status. Here I am, or your education. We wouldn't, we wouldn't fight for the things we say hello to. We would literally say, here I am. You see, when you go to an event, they tell you, if they don't know your name, is to, to write your name on and put it on here. And sometimes they have to say hello. Nobody writes, here I am. <laughs> but see, here I am is an identity. When you say hello and you put your name on it, of course you want people to recognize it. But when it comes to God, you want to be able to say, here I am because you called me. You called me. And, and, so, and so it's important that we don't, we don't demean or we don't dismiss or, or we don't downplay the voice of God in our lives. So the question might be, Ro, how do I hear God's voice? Great question. We're going to get to it next week. But what you want to understand is this. When God calls, can you imagine if 120 of us right here and those watching online, if all we said was, here I am. Not why, God. Not yell back at God. But we would just simply just say, here I am, Lord. In my insecurities, here I am, Lord. In my fears, here I am, Lord. Here I am. And so we see that when Moses, he encounters God in a miraculous experience at the burning bush. And so this, this thing's on fire, but it doesn't burn up. And so the theological principle is simply this. That this passage tells that whenever God appears, ordinary people in ordinary circumstances gets revealed to them the extraordinary. Come on. When you say, here I am, what you're telling God is, God, add your super to my natural. Come on. Because if you're calling me to do something, you're going to accomplish it. You don't waste your breath. Every time God's voice is presented, it is breath for us to live. Every single time God says, God God calls you, he calls you. He's like, you need breath. It's worship. He doesn't come and say, what about all this? He just says, come, because what I want is is his presence. And then God says, what I want is for, here I am, Lord. Add your super to my natural. You want this mountain conquered? I got it. You want this, God? I got it. Whatever you want, God, I'll do it. It's not my agenda. It's for your glory. Here I am, Lord. My goodness. We got to teach our children to stop saying hello and start saying, here I am. I'm not saying be rude. Of course, when adults in the room, they should say hello. But when God's voice calls, the answer is, here I am. Here I am. And so here it goes now in Exodus chapter 3. I want you to turn there because we're going to see how this thing works, how a theological argument is won. This is what I want to teach you, and we're going to launch you out of here. Because I talked about to understand your life belongs to God, you must win the theological argument. Why? Because in Genesis chapter 3, that's what the enemy did. The first thing the enemy did was this. What did God tell you? He doesn't say, hey, eat this fruit and disobey God. He comes and says, what did God say about this? Here we are. What did he say about where we are? Oh, that is so good. And so guess whose voice was diminished? God's voice. 
and the enemy's voice was elevated. Theological argument. The enemy has to win the theological argument. That's why he's called the father of lies. Because every time he opens his mouth, he lies. Every time God opens his voice, come on, it's truth. Satan brings noise and chaos. God brings a voice that brings peace. And so the first thing, the first thing for a life of significance, the first thing is this. I've got to win the theological argument, and here's what it is. And so in Exodus chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, it says, And Moses said, I will turn aside to see his, this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, He goes on, and this is what God reminds Moses, as he reminds us. God saved Moses, literally saved Moses. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 and 3, it says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as a wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when he saw that he was a fine child, he hid himself three months, when she could no longer hide him. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and dabbed it with, uh, with, with the stuff and pitch, and she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And so here it is now that the, that, 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 the, that the edict, the execution was any child that would come through the womb that was a male should have been killed. So what she did was a natural thing. God naturally saved his life. And if you're here breathing, if you came out of the womb, guess what? God saved your life. If you think of the complication of giving birth and all that could go wrong, come on, somebody. You don't have to even spiritually give God praise for giving birth. Come on. And all the ladies said, amen. Amen. Thank God I'm a dude. Amen. And so, and so he, he saved. I'm not kidding you. Thank God I'm a dude. God literally saved Moses' life. And let's just start right there. God literally saved your life. From decisions that could have been made, he saved your life. Come on, somebody. From complications that led to decisions, he saved your life. From circumstances that saved your life. From threats, he saved. I wish I had someone in here that recognized that when you broke through the womb, come on, that God saved you from decisions that could have altered your life. Circumstances, situations, things that God saved you from. Ah, good God on my Thank you, Jesus. He literally saved your life. I wouldn't even go to scripture. And if you can't praise God for life in the natural, there's no way you're going to praise God for life supernatural. Thank you, Jesus. I'm alive. I'm alive. God saved Moses. So Moses came in and says, hello, I'm here. And so Moses now thought, let me do a work for God because guess what? I'm successful. I'm, 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 I'm grew up in, in Pharaoh's place. And so Moses is walking around now and sees two Hebrews. Uh, sorry, he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. This is the middle part that you must get now. This is what the enemy wants to rob us of. This is the theological argument that goes to a positive implication. He recognizes now, somehow, Moses recognized his life was meant for a purpose. And so now... He goes and does his own work. 
He does his own work. He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. He wants justice, which is rightfully so. But he doesn't seek the God who is just. And so he's called to deliver a people. And so he wants to experience success. And he thought that if I just kill this person, it'll free the people because we're called to freedom. Happens, as you know the story, if you haven't, you want to read in Exodus chapter 2. What happens now is he hides the body. He, He hides, thinking nobody saw what was going on. And now he goes, okay, so if that was successful, let me stay at it again. And now he sees two Hebrews arguing with each other. The church, brothers and sisters, arguing with each other. Come on. Don't know what started the argument, but it got intense. I don't know what you did, but it got intense. Come on. I don't know what program you were watching, but it got intense. Come on. And Moses now goes and says, well, if he saved my life in the basket and I saved the life of the Hebrew, I now can have significance because I can then say to the one who was in the wrong, hey, why'd you do that? And what they went to was this. Who called you to be a judge over us? Come on. Who gave you the authority To say who was wrong and who was right. And because of that, they now brought up, come on, just like the devil. Because we know what you did in your past. You thought you were successful. You thought you were successful working it out on your own. But guess what? No, I saw that's nothing but the devil. Come on. If you have to go to a cemetery to dig up your past, that's illegal. Come on, somebody. And so they went to the place where they can win the theological argument. Who called you? Who called you? Who called you to make judgment like that? I saw what you did. And Moses takes off and he runs for his life. God saved him again. Again. And so Moses was done. And Moses says, I don't want a life of significance. I want a life of success. Finds himself a wife. Come on. Saves them from the shepherds who were, uh, you know, harassing them. He's living good. He has a kid. He's just chilling. He's like, I'm done. I'm successful. And God says, but I called you for significance. I called you for significance. There is a nation that needs to be set free. I've called you for significance. Answer the call. And so here he is now. Listen to He's a shepherd. He's married. He's got a kid. He's doing great. And God said, that's not enough. That's all success, and it can be taken away. But I want to give you significance in your life. Oh, my God. The devil is not afraid of our success. That's why I stopped talking about this prosperity stuff. Come on, he's not afraid of that. Get your bends, your bro. I don't care. He doesn't care about that. He'll give you more. Listen, he'll give you so much success, the devil. He'll give you so much success as long as you don't see your significance because you'll get your identity in your success. You'll get your identity in all of that wealth. And he says you can't love money and love God. He didn't say money. Money pays bills. But the love of money will keep you bound. 
So the enemy doesn't care about your success. He doesn't care about your achievement. We do. God's concerned about your call on your life. And so he now gets to this place. I gotta hurry. And Moses is doing successful things. He's taking the sheep and he's at the mountain near Jethro's sheep. But God is saying, What about my sheep? Ooh. What about my people? I hear their cry. And there's people beside you in your seat that's crying out. I wish somebody will come and preach this gospel that will set me free. I was so busy. We have no time to be significant. You can do all these things. Trust me, you can do all these things for your kids. You can do all these things for somebody else. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the only one that can give you significance is Jesus. Your kids can praise you. Your wife can praise you. They can do all those things. But the only one that can give you true significance is Jesus Christ. And so he says, Moses, I called you. And now he ends with this as the worship team comes up. Must have been a good message because normally they're up here before. Man, praise God. <laughs> they're normally like, come on, shut this guy down. You know what I mean? But they're, they're, they're like, oh, this is good. I'm taking notes. Praise God. And I don't know what they're going to sing, but, but we need to get to this place where we talk about holy living requires holy ground. And what he had to do was he had to transform Moses and understand in the theological argument. And he gets to this place now where Moses answers the call. I read it earlier when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. When you answer the call, you are telling God, or God is telling you, you are standing on holy ground. That what you're about to encounter, what you're about to do is of great significance because it's spiritual. It cannot be earned through the works of man. This is spiritual. You're on holy ground. Next is chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is what? Holy ground. Holy is not a word just of behavior, folks. Holy is a word of belief. It's to live separate because of significance. I know there's so many people that come and Christianity is a bunch of rules. No, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. It's not about a bunch of rules. It's a relationship. Because guess what? When you make it rules, you'll make up your own rules. Oh, praise God. That's too holy. Let's make our own rule. You know what I'm saying? But right now you're standing in holy ground. And I love what he says. He said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Isn't that back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 9? We go full circle. Whenever the presence of the Lord shows up, he's going to reveal his holiness first and foremost. Because a life of significance is spiritual. It's spiritual. He said, Moses, your life belongs to God. Take off your sandals. So he says, take off your shoes. He says, you've been operating 
in Egyptian power for too long. You've achieved success in Egyptian power. You can be successful in this world, folks. But you'll never be significant wearing the world's shoes. So you've got to take off your sandals in the presence of a holy God. And in this, he now says, Moses, your life belongs to me. What you've witnessed is the miraculous. You've encountered a power that's going to penetrate because here's the deal. Moses, you need to be healed. Because Moses was wounded when the two Hebrews said to him, who called you? And he had to run. Not because of the Egyptian. He had to run because of the Hebrews. His own people. And he's wounded. He's wounded, people. He's wounded. That's what we began with, I am healed. And so God comes in and says, listen, you you have to get healed, Moses, because getting a wife is not going to heal you. Doing a successful business is not going to heal you. Doing this is not going to heal you. The only way to get healed is to take off those sandals because you are in holy ground. You're in holy ground. And he says, you have to win the theological argument. And the first one was this. Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? The first question that you have to ask as we launch is this. Who am I? Success can't answer that question. Only significance can. Who am I? I'm not Elijah. I'm not Moses. I'm not the apostle Paul. Who are you? Who are you? He asked, who am I? See, the question can't be answered if you're still wearing Egyptian shoes because they will try to conform you. They'll try to label you. But this morning, I feel the Holy Ghost is saying, listen, our lives belong to God. And the question that's being asked by the enemy is, who are you? To think that you can break the addictions of your past. Who are you to think you can live a life of significance? Who are you to think that you can overcome? Who are you to think that you can be a person that God can use? Who do you think you are? If we don't win that argument with our young people, we don't win that argument. We can never see the positive implications of that. My question to you with your sandals off on holy ground is who are you? I am healed. That's the first thing you should write down. That's the first thing. Who are you? I'm healed because I'm in the presence of the healer. And are you telling me, God, that, that, that you can use me after everything I did and after all that's going on? Yes. I am healed. We, we, we didn't get these shirts made and, and, and these hoodies that you're going to be able to order. And, and, and what I vision is all of us, we're wearing these, these hoodies because it's cold and t-shirts when it's warm. But we're wearing it because we're declaring a statement of faith that guess what? I've won the theological argument. Healing is for today. Come on. I'm not going to battle. I'm not going to debate about it anymore. That I am healed. Look, this is the testimony. I am healed. I'm no longer rejected no more. It doesn't matter to have a million dollars. And feel rejected. I was asked a question by Minister Linda. I was on her radio program. And we have a great time every time we go on there. And she asked me a question probably never been asked before. And she says, are you angry with your father for what he did? 
I was like, you know, I've never been asked that. I was like, oh, my gosh. I've never been asked that. And the Holy Spirit quickened me. She didn't know this, but it was the Holy Spirit. I'm like, God, give me an answer for that one. And I said, I had no time. I didn't have time to be angry with them. I was just trying to get healed from the rejection. I had no time to process that emotion. I'm just trying to process what I see him walking out at the age of 12. Am I angry with him? I don't have time. I don't have time. I've never been asked that before. Because all I've been doing is process the rejection. What did I do? I didn't know who I was anymore. So I was processing, not the anger, the rejection. And perhaps some of us in here, you got to get healed of the rejection, the anger, the bitterness, all of that, because God is calling you. The second part is this. Is Moses says, okay, so then who are you? Last time I came and I was trying to, I thought they knew that you called me to deliver them and, and that didn't work. So who are you? What should I tell them? You, who you are. Exodus 3, 14, he says, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am have sent me. Do you see why you answer here I am? So that when you get there, you can realize that. Whatever head bowed, every eyes closed. These two questions must be answered today. If you're facing a transition like I am, that's my word for 2023, transition. God's been downloading stuff to me about that. I'm like, wow, God. I have this book in my office, and I went to grab it, and I realized it right in front of me, transition. I'm like, wow. Whatever you're facing right now, you must win the theological argument to walk into the positive implication of your call. Sunday, we're going to talk about how to discern the voice. But for right now, right now, the question is, who are you and who is God to you? As your heads are bowed, worship team. Four more minutes. Just let him minister to you right now. Heal Jesus. Oh, my God. Come on. Come on. If you're so bold to say, Pastor Roe, I got to get healed of this hurt. I'm successful in other areas of my life, but I still don't feel significant. Or what I'm doing is significant. Let him heal you. Let him heal. Don't be ashamed. You're amongst family. Don't be ashamed. We are amongst family. If that's you. Don't leave here wounded. Leave here knowing that I am healed.